but we also paid focused attention to CrossFit and how CrossFit gyms really, cre- you know what they did so great is they created community. And, and it was like nothing that I, you know, when, when I came from a big box 24 hour fitness, you know, we had, we were all about just building these big member bases, but we didn't really have community as a top priority. And when I looked at the CrossFit gyms and I looked at fighters going through fight camps, you really saw and witnessed community at its deepest level. And we were able to replicate some of that DNA and put it into this UFC gym platform. Welcome to the Barbend Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by Barbend.com. Today, I'm talking to Adam Sedlak, CEO of UFC Gym. Adam has had an amazing rise through the ranks of gyms. He started as an entry-level employee at a brick-and-mortar facility, then became a trainer, and from there, he spent years working his way to management as he learned every in and out of the gym business, and I do mean every detail. Now, he's CEO of a gym conglomerate with over 150 locations worldwide, and they're still growing. Adam joins us to talk about how the fitness industry has changed, separating fad from lasting trend, and how people are going to train a couple years down the line. Now, let's get on to the show. Adam, thank you so much for joining me. We talked to a lot of world record holding powerlifters, weightlifters, all sorts of folks on this podcast. But today we get to explore a very different side of the strength world. And I'm really, really excited to talk to you about that. If you don't mind, give us a little background on how you got to where you are today, because I know it was anything but an A to B to C journey. Yeah, no, thanks, David. It's great to be here. And, uh, respect your platform a lot. You have incredible information and content. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, uh, I started the fitness industry out of passion, similar to you and started with 24 hour fitness way back in 1994. Uh, so a lot of people probably weren't alive at that point, and, uh, <laughs> but I loved it. You know, I got it as a summer job and started as a front desk person, mm-hmm. ended up helping people out on the, on the floor with an instructor, became an assistant manager, GM, uh, district manager, got married, moved 21 times over 17 years with 24-hour fitness, became a divisional president with them. Mark Mastroff, the founder of 24-hour, sold it in 2005, left in 2007. I basically left with him parallel. He, Mark was very good friends with uh, Dana White, Lorenzo Fertitta, Frank Fertitta, the owners of the UFC. And they said, hey, let's start, a, um, let's start a fitness concept on how UFC athletes train, both from a strength perspective and a mental perspective. And so we did it. We launched it uh, with the help of Jim Rowley and a guy named Mike Feeney. We launched it in the beginning of 2009 uh, up in the Concord, California. And now we're developing in 40 countries and looking really, really good in, in, in the future of where we're going. Well, how many branded facilities are you all involved with today? Uh, we have about 180 locations globally. In the US, we're right around 100 and, and international is growing uh, very aggressively through the 40 country development. What I love about your story so far is that you went from working the front desk at your local gym as a first job, and now you lead one of, one of the great gym facility empires right now that's only growing. I mean, you talk about every rung on that ladder that you climbed up. I'm, I'm curious, 
which of those positions or stages in your career, looking back on it, felt the most challenging? Yeah, well, thank you for that. You know, the interesting thing is, thank God for fitness, because if I had to do anything else, <laughs> I wouldn't be able to deliver a pizza. I wouldn't be able to fix a, uh, a counter sink. I, I'd be in trouble. So thank God for fitness. It's the only thing I know. Yeah, I mean, it's a great question, David, is, you know, I think every position brings its own complication. When you're, when you're working at a front desk or as a trainer, or as a salesperson, or as an, an assistant manager or a GM, you can con- personally control a lot. As you continue to mature professionally and you start understanding that you have to get results through other people, the dynamics of how you look at things has to change. And so certainly I've had to change with it, right? The person that I was in in 1998 is not the person that I am today. It's been through a lot of mistakes and a lot of challenges and a lot of mentorship by other people to help me understand where my weaknesses are. But through that and and through being open to feedback and having adaptability, you, you tend to hopefully rise to the occasion. I'm also curious, you know, I, I see it from the digital content perspective. Yep. And no one was doing digital fitness content in 1994 because the internet wasn't, you know, a readily accessible thing for most folks back then. That's but right. How do you think the physical gym industry, and there's some obvious caveats to this, right? The proliferation yep. and growth of things like CrossFit, et cetera, functional yep. training as a category. You know, how does the industry compare in 1994 to today as, as you see it? And this is just your personal thoughts and opinions here. When you go back to 94, the amount of people in the game to own fitness was incredibly low, right? Mm -hmm. The penetration percentage on number of operators, you had family fitness that converted into 24-hour fitness. You had Gold's Gym, Bally's, LA Fitness were kind of the the core competitor group, competitor set at, at that point. And then as you evolved and as fitness penetration started to increase, I mean, I think it was in the 14, 15 percentile back then. Now it's closer to 25% penetration. So I owe that to people and, and to people really becoming passionate about fitness and, and, be, and, and making it a way of their life. And so when you look at from a marketing perspective, past, the present and where we're going, it's incredibly interesting because I think in the 90s, it took years to adapt. I think in 2022, we're adapting weekly. I mean, Mm -hmm. things are changing weekly. When you look at Web3 and you look at crypto and digital and everything else that we have to deal with in today's world, it's a little bit more complicated. But at the end of the day, if if you can figure out how to acclimate your culture to where marketing continues to go and trend, you're going to be in a very, very good position. Interesting enough, and David, I thought you'd find this interesting is when we started UFC Gym, you know, we looked at a couple pieces. We looked at how athletes, UFC athletes train, but we also paid very good and focused attention to CrossFit and how CrossFit gyms really, cre- you know what they did so great is they created community. Oh, And, and it was like nothing yeah. that I, you know, when, when I came from a big box, 24 hour fitness, you know, we had, we were all about just building these big member bases, but we didn't really have community as a top priority. And when I looked at the CrossFit gyms and I looked at fighters going through fight camps, you really saw and witnessed community at its deepest level. And we were able to replicate some of that DNA and put it into this UFC gym platform. I think it's a fantastic element that you identified pretty early because back in 2009, a lot of folks still saw CrossFit as 
maybe a passing fad, just like a lot of folks at certain points saw MMA and MMA style mm-hmm. training as mm-hmm. passing fads. Obviously, we wouldn't be sitting here talking about these, you know, 13 years later, if that were necessarily the case. What are some other, in, in your journey, what are some other, you know, trends that did stick? And what are some things that faded away uh, and you were maybe a little bit surprised or taken aback to see them not have the stickiness uh, or that kind of stickiness coefficient, viral coefficient, we would say yeah. today, that you might have expected? In today's world, I don't see a lot fading away anymore mm-hmm. because the industry's become so wide. Mm-hmm. And so if you go back and you think about the original step class, you know, back in 1994, step class with the socks and leg warmers pulled up to your knees, that was, that was the thing. It's called style, folks, for those of you who don't remember that. That's right. That's right. That's right. But you can still find that. And, and that's what's beautiful about fitness today is, you know, between Les Mills content and between CrossFit, between all the incredible programming that UFC Gym has, between the, you know, the boutique factor and, and even stuff like Peloton. You know, it, it's interesting that when you look at how wide fitness has become, that wherever your passion is, you can find a distribution channel to go out there and maximize it. The question becomes, What's the authenticity of that distribution channel? Does it motivate you and inspire you? And is it something that you're going to want to return to on a daily basis? And I think, again, going back to what's so great about the original days of CrossFit is when we were manufacturing this UFC gym brand, it was really about identifying what's great about CrossFit in the community that you guys you know, created and developed from the workout of the day to, to personal best and personal records to eventually driving it to distribution on channels like ESPN, all the way through the ability to understand how a UFC athlete trains through multiple disciplines, how mental education is incredibly important. So in regards to how somebody looks at themselves through emotional intelligence and awareness to nutrition, supplementation, uh, recovery is becoming a significant segment of fitness on a go-forward basis. I think as a CrossFit athlete yourself, you understand how important recovery is to the body. So I think all those things are, are now positioning themselves to really continue to take off, but I think it's not for every customer. So mm-hmm. it's, it's basically what the consumer wants is now available for them. And my job is to make sure I understand what the consumer wants and provide the best possible value proposition for that consumer. So not only can they stick with their workouts and stay with the gym, but they can find the best version of themselves. Let's talk about the early planning stages of UFC gyms. Obviously, you took inspiration from CrossFit. You took inspiration from MMA-style training, how the fighters were actually training. But how has that thesis evolved over the last 13 years? Well, David, let me ask you, when you hear UFC, when you hear UFC gym and you walk into a gym, let's just say that you've never been to one of our gyms, what do you think it is? You know, I, I remember, I'll actually go back because one opened on, oh dear, I want to say... It was in the Bowery neighborhood of Manhattan years ago, and I remember when it opened. And I this was this was in a much earlier stage of my career. And I'm trying to remember exactly what I thought at that time because I was involved in the gym industry myself at a very yeah. granular level. And I think I just envisioned this is where you go to train in MMA. That's probably my first reaction, which is in, which is incorrect and an extremely narrow view, knowing what I know now. But yeah, that's probably what I thought the first time I saw one of the facilities. And that's what the majority of people think. And so you're not too far off. But the reality is the brand 
can range in size from 150,000 square foot location, which is our biggest location, to all the way down to 2,500 square feet, which is a which is a boutique concept. There is absolutely no fighting in our gyms. It it takes how UFC athletes train and condition their bodies mentally and physically, and we prepare a super facility around how people want to train and get fit. And so our average, what we call signature prototype, which you know is typically between 35 and 45,000 square feet, has a million dollars of fitness equipment, has 600 classes per month from cycling to uh, CrossFit type of classes, all the way through boxing, Muay Thai, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So if you like that, that focused area, you can do that. But if you don't want to drive yourself in, in MMA disciplines, you can also just go take a uh, cycling class if you'd like, right? So it has the best of all these boutique formats within four walls, in addition to the platforms and the kettlebells and the hit classes and all the variables that, that you know, we have something that's very similar to workout of the day. It's called daily ultimate training. Mm. Um, it was inspired or was motivated by what CrossFit did so well, because I think CrossFit was, it was a, it was a genius in 2008, 2009, where they developed that culture. And so we have a very similar value proposition with, within our four walls, and it tends to work extremely well. So, I mean, what we, the aspirational portion of this is that we want to retain our members longer. We don't want to just, in, you know, what's popular in, in today's fitness world is low cost fitness, mm-hmm. right? Where people go in and pay 10 bucks, but there's the value proposition is basically just weights and equipment. And there's no, there's, the community is not the same, right? The essence of community and engagement is not the same. So we doubled down on people. We think people is what makes fitness great. And we think people inspiring other people to become their best version of themselves is what makes fitness great. And again, when you think about the roots of CrossFit, that's exactly what they did was they, they took great people to inspire other people to become great athletes. Well, we do that at the mainstream level where we can take somebody that's 300 pounds and need to, need to lose 100 pounds. Guess what their personal fight is, is they need to lose 100 pounds. And so we take the UFC athlete and we say, okay, UFC athlete, how would you train to lose 100 pounds? Well, let's get all of our coaches and trainers focused on that. We take performance athletes that want to have a personal best at you know, bench press or whatever it might be, number of pull-ups, whatever it is. And we get our performance coaches based on that person with that personal fight. So, you know, everything's relative and everything's relative around the value proposition. And the key for us is to make sure that we can stand for world-class coaching, world-class instruction with world-class motivation to maximize a client's results. How are you all doing programming? You mentioned that you mentioned you're doing, um, the programs that you all have that are kind of inspired by the workout of the day, is that a unified, the same workout across all the facilities or does each facility program their own version of that? Yeah, we have, we have formatting that gives the recommended workouts across the platform. Here's what's really cool, David, that I think you're going to like. If you live in New York, hypothetically, mm-hmm. and we're, we're still building this out, but if you go to New York and you work out in our Long Island Club or Soho Club and you do a workout, we're going to have now video connection where you, where the Soho gym can compete against the club in Shanghai, China, or the gym in Sydney, Australia, or Honolulu, Hawaii. And so you're going to have connectivity across the globe to be able to allow for even more fitness accountability and more fitness community, which I think is going to be incredibly powerful. So yeah, you know, things are evolving and, and, and the climate is evolving and technology is evolving, as you know very well. 
So now the key is to make sure we have good execution. What are some of the things that you all are doing outside of programming to foster community? And as an example, you know, the first time I ever joined a, a CrossFit gym way back when, um, I was shocked because I'd never been part of a gym that had social events, right? That had pre predetermined events or schedule events outside of working out for folks to hang out, grab a meal, grab a drink, whatever, whatever that that was. Are there things you all are doing outside of the programming and outside of you could call it the normal class hours or hour? In order to foster that community in the space, how important is that today? Right when when you think about the last couple of years with what we've gone through, how important how how important is community in today's world? So yeah, it's it's a great question. So we do a lot. Uh, number one, fitness technology um, through MyZone and a platform called Forte and BoxHit Live has allowed us to bring members across the globe together as one large community. Number two is when you take a look at our our four wall operating system, we allow kids, we have a kid's programming uh, training process, right? So mom and dad can come work out. And while they're working out, kids can work out and train. And so not only that, they can go to our arm bar cafe and they can eat together in a nutritional way, and then they can lead together. And so instead of everybody sitting on an iPad or on their mobile phones, now they can actually talk about fitness and training. We have a lot of pay-per-views in our gym. So, so when UFC has a pay-per-view, a lot of times we'll stream it in the gym and all the member base comes together and they they talk story and, and they have an experience of watching the pay-per-view together. And what's so interesting, the people, here, here's an interesting uh, fact for you. The people that join our gyms that have no idea of what UFC is or MMA conditioning is, they come in and it almost feels like the sport itself is intimidating. Mm. After they train and they do some boxing, some Muay Thai, kickboxing stuff, they do some jujitsu. Now they start to understand how it works and they start respecting the disciplines. And when they watch UFC, it goes from, man, it's a little bit violent to, wow, these guys are incredible athletes that are incredibly mentally conditioned and they have a huge respect for it. So it's, it's interesting to watch the conversation of the consumer change as the, as the evolution of their member experiences continues to improve. That's a really good point. You don't have to, you don't have to necessarily get hit in the face to understand the discipline and difficulties that come with fight preparation. Thank God, because I'd be hit a lot. Uh, yeah, 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 no, you're absolutely right. There, there, you know, in our gyms, there is no hitting in the face, right? This, this is all just conditioning to prepare yourself and to prepare your body. But you know, one thing that I love, David, is that, you know, my wife is 5'4", you know, 115 pounds. She can now, because she's taken jujitsu classes, she can now walk down an alley with her head high and confident that if somebody were to attack her, she knows exactly what to do to fall to her back and go into a defense mode and, 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 and protect herself. And that's so empowering to people. And it's not just, you know, women, it's, it's men for more confidence, it's kids, more confidence and man, it's, it's, it's incredibly powerful. What are some, I mean, you, you mentioned, you gave us a glimpse into some of the technological rollouts that you all have coming in the near future. What are some features of the facilities or the community aspect that you're really excited about that maybe aren't quite there yet? Anything you can give us a little preview or a sneak peek of? Yeah, I think one is the ability to, as I said before, is to, to connect globally every single location and bring one global platform together where it feels like you're all working out together. So that's still in development and progression, but I'm very excited about it. I think number two 
is the continued involvement of recovery. And I don't care what your goal is uh, from a fitness perspective, right? If you want to be the best CrossFit athlete in the world, if you want to be the best at, best at strength, whatever it might be, science now shows that when you're doing compression and cryotherapy, red light, um, massage, you know, all these different types of recovery modalities will help that athlete prepare for the next workout more efficiently. And so I think there are also hydration and nutrition fall into play with recovery, which, which, is, which is critically important. So I, I think those are the biggest vehicles. Of course, fitness technology is always going to be something that's fluid. You know, what we have today, which is great, is always going to evolve tomorrow based on technology. It's interesting that the US, there's different technology levels based on where you go around the globe. Because of some of the US restrictions around privacy, you can't do as much as maybe you can do in China or some other countries. And so it's interesting to watch how that's going to evolve in regards to how, how fitness technology will work. I think the other thing, David, it's the stuff that you do. You, know, you, you, you do an incredible job at creating content and information, not only for people that are working out in gyms, for people that want to get educated around strength training and other, other uh, modalities. And I think the more that we can drive great content and bring it into four-wall brick-and-mortar gyms, the more effective the platforms are going to be in improving and increasing member penetration on the fitness side. So right now, we're at 24 25%. With people like you continuing to do what you do and others, we're going to be able to grow that to 40 to 50%. You see, I don't think anybody's a competitor anymore. It's about all of us being great at what we do driving content, driving distribution, having a great value proposition and getting half the population plus working out on a regular basis so we can make everybody the best version of themselves. Yeah. I like how you phrase that. The enemy isn't necessarily the gym on the other side of town that might be a different franchise or different company. The fight is to encourage the 70% plus of Americans internationally. The, st- the statistics differ, obviously of people who are either sedentary or you know, not working out in a facility. You, you know what? I read a stat, and this is not a validated stat, but I found, <laughs> it, I, found, I found it incredibly interesting. I'm curious what you think about this. I read that 95% of all diseases are controllable. 5% are. So sometimes you're born with something, sometimes it's genetic or what have you, and you can't really control it. But 95% are, and it's really driven around, do you go to the doctor consistently? Do you exercise consistently? Do you have the right nutrition? And do you fill nutritional gaps with the right supplementation? And are you mentally in a good spot? And it seems like if you can do the best possible work around those variables, that you can control the outcome of your immune system and the way that you live your life. And I found that incredibly compelling and almost as a challenge is, can we take, if that data is even close to being correct, can we take that, that number and can we get it to the mainstream consumer that doesn't understand that? Well, what I will say, and this is where I give the addendum, which I've given on this podcast before, I am not a doctor. But what I will say is that proactivity when it comes to movement, nutrition, recovery, and sleep, and I always think sleep is like, it's, it's the one everyone always forgets about right? It's incredibly, sleep is mandatory. It's not optional for anyone. And it's compounded more and more if performance is a goal for you. I think that proactivity in wellness is huge. And look, there are some conditions and there are some diseases and there are some situations where exercise, nutrition, managing your sleep, they're not going to have as big an impact. That's for sure. But I, I think it would be tough to find any 
medical professional or any wellness professional who wouldn't get on this podcast and say, hey, if you empower yourself through movement and nutrition and you take a more proactive stance toward your health, it'd be tough to argue that you're not going to have better long-term outcomes and quality of life. That's, that's for darn sure. So you know, when you mention, and I've heard this statistic before, right? But when you mention that 70%, 75% of the populace is maybe not exercising regularly, right? That just sets off such alarm bells in my head because that's a huge, that's the majority of people who are not being proactive in a very particular way and in a very helpful way about their wellness and their wellness outcomes. That's not to say that everyone necessarily needs to train in the same modality or to the same intensity. Fitness is infinitely scalable and modifiable. And I think CrossFit has done a lot to illustrate that. And I think that it's something that you you have probably known for a long time. But now it seems that that's a little bit more accepted and a little bit more understood in the fitness community, which is something that brings me a lot of joy personally. Yeah. And, and I would even amplify your message more is that, you know, let's take a look at the last 24 months. In the last two years, we became a two-dimensional world, right? Where everybody's on their iPads and talking on Zoom calls and, and not interacting in person. In the last two years, we've been put in a defensive mode where we've been wearing face coverings and we've been scared to go outside because we were going to get COVID. And, and it was one thing after the other. Whether it was misguided or not, it doesn't matter. We all had the same end intention that we want people healthy, right? What, what David, what's going to happen? And I truly believe this is that when we look back on this pandemic, we're all going to come together. We're going to say, man, the one area that we miss, the one piece of narrative that needs to be amplified is we need to sleep right. We need to eat right. We need to move. We need to be active and we need to be consistent no matter what challenge we're dealt with in the future. Because listen, you look at all the data, right? And, 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 I, and the data that I see says that 70 to 80% of mortalities from COVID would have been modified if these people were conditioned and they were living by that, um, by that brand strategy. So, so it's all about what we can do to your point to be proactive with fitness. What can we do to make sure we're sleeping right? And what can we make sure that we alter the people's lifestyles to take a look at, man, if they can just take care of their bodies and invest in their bodies and invest, invest in their lifestyle, that if we have to deal with a pandemic in the future, we're going to be able to take it head on and control it versus it controlling us. Well, I, Adam, you've said a lot that I'm actually going to be thinking of. I'm kind of have this, I have this wistful look on my face. You folks can't see, but I, a lot that I want to unpack and, and think about, which I, I don't always take from these conversations. But as we kind of come toward the end of the recording, I got to ask, where's the best place for people to keep track of, keep up to date with what you're doing uh, and, and what the company's rolling out and you know, maybe to see how some of these cutting edge or bleeding edge technologies and connectivity develop over the coming years? Well, I'm learning from you, David, because your platform is so incredible. <laughs> so I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm uh, on Instagram at CEO UFC Gym, and then uh, I have a good LinkedIn. I, I really like LinkedIn a lot because I learn a lot from a business perspective. Just started getting into the YouTube uh, arena because our brand is incredibly experiential, and I know that you do you do some great work um, there. UFCgym.com, UFCfit.com, class at UFC Gym are all vehicles of how we're growing our organization. Of course, UFC. Uh, by the way, UFC 270 pay per view is going to be a great event uh, this coming up Saturday. So all of that is part of our ecosystem as we continue to evolve and develop and grow. 
And listen, anytime anybody has feedback, commentary, they can, they can reach me at any one of those uh, vehicles. I talk to members and team members all the time via social media channels. Awesome. Adam, I really appreciate your time. I appreciate the conversation. You've got my wheels turning in my head, and I hope that our listeners have the same experience. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, I need to get you into a class, and we'll have to train together at a class. We'll see what you can do. Maybe I'm in a down. boxing or kickboxing class. Let's do I'm it. I'm down. Let's do it. Let, let's all do right. it. <laughs> it's on. All right. Thanks, Dave.